Real quick, we're in, well, my name's Tony. If you're new here, I'm Tony. I'm the lead pastor. If you're online with us today, we're glad that you're joining us and uh, a part of that. Today I'm going to continue this four-week series called The Parable of the Sower. Uh, It's called The Sower. It's about the parable in Matthew. This parable is actually in three of the four Gospels, and uh, it's told, it's an important one. And I shared last week how Jesus, you know, uses parables. If you want to go out on our website, you can listen to last week's. Uh, But this is a standalone message, so it'll stand on its own. But if you want to kind of follow with Jesus and the the different soils, we're going to take the four soils that Jesus talked about, uh, and we're going to break them out each week. Last week was the path, the hard heart, where the soil just kind of skips off like a rock in a parking lot, just skips off of your life, and it just goes away, and it doesn't have a chance to take root, doesn't have a chance. We talked about what the seed is. The seed is the gospel. It is the good news. It is the kingdom message that God loves us in Jesus Christ and that there is forgiveness of sins. There is reconciliation. There is the Holy Spirit who lives in us and around us and works with us. And there is this incredible new life in Jesus. This is the message that the, of the gospel. And Jesus is saying this is the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is not a place. The kingdom of God is a seed that takes root in your life and it grows out. It grows up and it grows out. You hear me? It grows up and it grows out. It grows to God and it grows toward others. And at the heart of the kingdom is this, is this law of God. Love God with your whole heart and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the gospel. That's the kingdom. It's not a place. It's not like some great giant kingdom is going to come floating out of heaven, out of the sky and, and land here on earth and there's going to be walls around and there's this kingdom. No, the kingdom is in you. And it's growing out of you. And you are here, as Jesus taught us to pray, to create a world as, in, as it is in heaven. May it be also on earth. And so the gospel has a way to change marriages and and change lives and change relationships and change circumstances and change eternity. And that's the gospel. And Jesus tells us that this kingdom, this seed that wants to land in your life and plant and grow up and out is this word and it lands on different kinds of hearts. Last week, we talked about the hard, hard heart. Today, Jesus talks about the rocky heart soil. So let me start by saying this. Isn't it crazy the things that we buy only to later regret? Think about it. How many of you ever bought something, and maybe you're still paying for it, you're paying that new price for that old thing, right? And it's crazy the things we buy only later to regret. I have a personal story about that. Several years ago, I bought into this um, direct TV ad. We were, uh, we were on, I think, Dish or something like that, and uh, Dish Network or something. We were unhappy with it, and it, you know the equipment's getting old, and they're like, oh, you didn't pay to replace equipment and all this. And then direct TV comes out with this ad. Sign up for a two-year contract, and you'll get... For $59.99, everything we got, right? Y'all seen these, right? You've seen them. And and you're like, wow. I mean, they promise the moon, right? Free installation. 
free. We like free. Uh, four boxes. I'm like, four boxes. I can put one in my room. I can put one in, uh, downstairs. I can put one in the living room. And then I'll throw one up and let my kids fight over it, right? Oh, and then, oh, this was the big one. And the NFL package free for a year. I was like, I'm sold. So I call, and I get it. They come, they install it, I get the equipment. It's awesome. You know, come football season, my brother, who uh, now lives in North Dakota, is a huge Chiefs fan. And here's the thing between my brother and I every year. I'm like, what do you do? I call him on Sunday afternoon. What are you doing? Because the Chiefs are playing. He's like, not watching the Chiefs because he can't get it where he lives, right? And I'd rub it in. Well, he'd say, what are you doing? I said, watching the Chiefs. Because I got the NFL package, man. He goes, what? How'd you get that? He said, I signed up for the thing. He's like, oh, I ain't going to do that. You know, so I'd rub it into him. I'm watching the Chiefs. Because I got the NFL package. And guess what? I'm only paying $59.99 a month. I get all of this. It's amazing. I loved it. For a while. Then the second year came. And then I wanted to get out of it. Because one day I was watching my checking account and I realized, whoa, this just hit my account for like $200. I call them up. I'm like, what's the deal with that? I was $59.99. Now it's $200. They say, well, do you remember two years ago? I said, man, I don't remember last week, right? Yeah, you signed up for this and now you're paying. I said, but the equipment's getting old. See, here's what happens. When you get something and you buy into it, and you have it for a while, and then you all of a sudden realize that you don't want it because it's costing you more than you really are worth willing to pay for it. I was willing to pay the $59.99, but I wasn't willing to pay the $200. What I started doing was, and here's the thing, I became very critical of Dish Network. I stopped calling my brother because I dropped the NFL package. It was like 50 bucks by itself. I was like, well, the equipment's old. It's getting slow. It's breaking down. And I got 200 channels and I only watched three. Y'all laughing because you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? How many channels do you realistically watch? Well, I watch Netflix and I watch three of these and then I got 200 that I just have to scroll through, right? And so I became critical. All these programs, the honeymoon was over with Dish Network. I'm sorry, with DirecTV. Because here's the truth. Sometimes we want something without counting the real cost. We want something. I wanted all those channels. I wanted that NFL package. I wanted that free installation. I wanted all those boxes. And I wanted to pay $59.99. But then I realized after a period of time, I had to begin paying more. It began to cost me something. Because sometimes we want something without counting the real cost. I know that you've experienced this because we all have a house, a car, furniture, cable TV packages. We really get caught up in the emotion of the purchase. We get caught up in the emotion of the promise. We get caught up in the emotion of what that's going to do for me. It's new. It's exciting. It's adventurous. Uh, you know, we get excited and joyful 
about that new thing and about that initial cost until after a while it begins to cost us more than we're willing to pay. It might even promise you comfort and peace of mind and luxury and a better life. But then the payments become too burdensome. Sometimes we, the, the something we wanted, we no longer want because it costs too much. And this happens in our life. It happens in things that we buy, like I said, and all that. So listen. Come in close. What do we do when we buy into Jesus and everything that he's offering and the excitement and the joy? What do we do when we walk with Jesus for a little while and it's great and it's ecstatic and we feel free and we feel like the burden is gone and then all of a sudden he begins to ask something of you. What do you do with that? And I don't mean just ask something of you. I mean it really begins to cost you. What do you do with that? I thought this was about me saying I love you and being free of sin. And I thought this was just about believing in you, Jesus. And you said it's free, and it is free. Salvation is free. Forgiveness of sins, eternal life, no hell. That's a plus, right? That's like the NFL package of DirecTV, right? No hell, right? A better life, a better marriage, a better relationship, better kids, and all this stuff that's going through your mind. And maybe you have done this. Maybe you've been in a situation like this right now, and you've listened to someone like me, and you've been pitched the pitch. Come to Jesus. He'll make your life better. And then you come to Jesus because you love the idea of the benefit of Jesus. But then after a while, you've been walking with him, and all of a sudden, you start to realize, whoa, wait a minute, this Jesus thing's going to cost me something. You say, wait, I thought it was free. Salvation and God's grace is unmerited. It means you don't have to do anything to earn it. But when you begin to follow Jesus... It will ask something of you. Something happens after you take the plunge into the Jesus movement. The gospel starts to require more. And that's what our text is about today. Jesus is talking to people who want to follow him. Jesus is talking to people who want to be disciples. Jesus is talking to people who want eternal life. They want God's kingdom. They want to know God and know all about God and God changed their life. They want a different world and a different circumstance. And Jesus says, okay, the seed is going out. The, the, the seed is being planted. But it's falling on hard ground and it's falling on shallow ground. Look what he says. Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him. So he got into a boat, then he sat there and taught as the, taught as the people stood on the shore. He told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. 
Listen, a farmer, who is Jesus, went out to plant some seeds, which is the gospel. As he scattered them across the field, which is the world, the people's hearts. Some seed fell on the footpath, which we know from last week is very hard. It just skips off of it and the birds come. He says, and the birds came and they ate them. So the seed is no good to that person. And other seed, listen, fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. The seed sprouted quickly because the, sh- the soil was shallow. But the plants soon withered under the sun, the hot sun. And since they didn't have deep roots, they died. It died. Some of your versions say rocky soil. I like how they put it because in Palestine... There in Jesus' day, there were these farm fields. There was the path because they didn't have tractors. They had to walk around their path, their fields. And so they made these paths and they continually walked these paths until they just got beat down and got hard. But then there were also places in the field where there wasn't deep soil. Because in that area of the world, they have a really abundant, um, an abundance of what we call limestone. And what would happen in the fields is you would have all of this dirt and then if you would go to certain spots and you would kind of go drill down about an inch, you would just find hard limestone. So what Jesus was really talking about, there is soil in the field. There are hearts in the world. There are people in the world where their soil is just about an inch or two thick, but right below it's hard. What that means is the seed can take root the seed of the gospel, has it takes root quickly. You get excited about the gospel. You accept the gospel. You begin to follow Jesus. But when the plant starts to try to go deeper, right below the surface is something that's keeping it from going deeper. And so the seed can never grow up and out and produce fruit, which is the goal of the seed. So verse 18. So Jesus goes, skip forward, now he explains it. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. Next. The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that the planted in in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who, listen, hear the message and immediately receive the message with joy. Next verse. Is there another verse? That's it. All right. Listen. Those who hear the word and immediately receive it with joy. This person's heart, like the rocky ground, is simply a thin coat of dirt upon the rock. Emotionally, they receive it. Emotionally, they're ecstatic. 
emotionally they love the message of Jesus. They love the idea of Jesus. They love the idea of a God that loves them unconditionally. They love the idea of a Jesus that came to deliver them from their sin. They love this idea. And emotionally it's good news to them. They love the idea of it. They want to be a part of it. The hope of benefit from following Jesus. It delights their minds with joy. These people are moved by what Jesus promises to do for them. The promise of the gospel, like any good news, they immediately accept it into their hearts. But the problem is their hearts are shallow. On the surface, they're soft enough to receive it and accept it. But there's so much in their life below the surface that the gospel cannot get through. The gospel cannot break into the depths of their soul and their spirit and their heart. And so it withers and dies. The heart is not so hard as the cynic. It's not in one ear and out the other. Instead, they quickly receive it. And accept it. Jesus says that these people who, are, who will hear the good news of the kingdom, the gospel, will be emotionally moved by it. They will be joyful. They will be ecstatic. As a matter of fact, you might actually find these people are sometimes the most outwardly on fire for Jesus. Outwardly, who can keep up with them? Outwardly, they're ecstatic. Outwardly, they're all in. Outwardly, they're activists for Jesus. They will respond to the word unreserved and emotionally with joy, accepting it. Because the circumstances are acceptable. Who doesn't want the initial circumstances of accepting the gospel? But listen... Emotion is fine, but emotion is fleeting. Emotion is fine, but it's fleeting. It's okay to get excited. It's okay to be emotional. It's okay to feel because you realize what God's doing for you. But you have to understand when the emotion is gone, your commitment to Christ can't be. Emotion is fine, but it's fleeting. It happens. You cannot think or meditate on Jesus and not become emotional for what He's done for you. But emotions come and go. Emotionalism is usually what about what God has done for me. But discipleship has a natural movement away from me and toward God and others. What does a seed do when it begins to grow? How can a seed produce fruit? Think about this. By going down where you can't see. Unfortunately, so many of us want to just have it all out there to be seen. The actual root goes so deep you can't see it. But you know it's there. You know why you know it's there? Because the tree or the plant is going up. And it's going out. 
Jesus wants the seed of the gospel to move up toward God and out toward others. And that is where the fruit begins to grow. That is when the fruit begins to show. Discipleship, following Jesus, has a natural movement away from me and all that God can do for me and all that God's done for me. And it begins to turn and move toward others and toward what God wants for me. Next verse. So here's what it says. Jesus said in verse 21, But since they don't have deep roots, why is there no roots? I explain that. Right below the surface, there is this something in your life that you're not letting go of. Something in your life that you've not given lordship over. Something in your life that's keeping the seed from going deep down into your life. They do not have deep roots because they simply have not counted the cost of following Jesus. The Word excited them. The Word brought joy to them. The Word excites us. Emotionally, they were moved to follow. They loved the benefits and the upfront cost, which is free. But the real cost of discipleship comes later. As you begin to follow Jesus, you start to realize, wait a minute, Jesus is calling to me. Jesus is asking of me. Jesus is demanding of me. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, and I don't want to love them. Jesus says, love God with your whole heart. But I like sleeping in on Sundays. I don't like small groups. Can't I just go out in the woods and be with God? No, God's created you for community. I know, but God's calling me to give and i got things I want to buy. You see? The gospel begins to call to us to lay down our lives for the kingdom. This kingdom that we are now a part of as the seed of the kingdom begins to go deep and take root. The true cost of discipleship is to allow those roots to break through the concrete stone of your hearts and let God begin to change you. But as long as we don't, we're shallow, caught up by emotion. We're moved, just not committed. I got a good illustration for you on this one. My kids, as I shared with you guys, some things change, making changes in my life, my diet, my exercise, all that. My kids talked me into, uh, they've been bugging me for a while to join them at the gym and take on a gym membership. So, so I decided to get a couple of my daughters who wanted it, a uh, gym membership for Valentine's Day for a year, and I'll join you. And let me tell you, I'm excited about it. Until I went for my first time last week. (laughs) I haven't bench pressed in probably 20 years. And I'm doing all I can right now to move my upper body, right? It was painful. And I find myself making the commitment of the initial cost for the gym membership. And now I'm looking at every day thinking... What can I find to do besides that? 
Lauren comes home. Dad, we going to the gym? Oh, honey, I'm so tired. Can we wait till like 8 o'clock? You know, I got to watch my show. I got a show that I like, and then we'll go. Show happens. I pretend I'm asleep on the couch. I don't know. Probably not. Listen, we treat God like that. We like the initial sign-up. We're excited about the change. But when it comes to the actual membership, when it actually comes to changing my schedule so that I can go, when it comes to finding the willpower to actually go and work out, when, it, when, when it, it, it's going to cost me something, then I begin to not like the membership so much. And we treat God like this. We all do it. We all come to God because we want something from Him. And He's more than willing to help us and forgive us and wash our sins. And, but then the gospel begins to call out and invite me to something deeper. But a true disciple knows this, that eventually following Jesus will cost us more than just fleeting emotions. Discipleship is rooted, discipleship that is rooted in emotion is shallow and empty. But discipleship rooted in surrender is deep and fruitful. Jesus is actually saying they heard the word and they too quickly received it. This is strange to me because I've always been ingrained. Get him to make that decision. Get him to come on board. Get him to follow Jesus. You never know. You got to push. You got to push. You got to ask. You got to ask. And I'm sitting there going, well, I'm reading this and I'm like, wow, Jesus is going into the natural tendency of a first century Jewish rabbi. You say, what do you mean by that? People would come to rabbis and they wanted disciples and they would find a rabbi they really loved and they said, I want to be your disciple. He'd be like, nah, you come back later. And then a second time, the person would come and they'd say, we really, seriously, we're committed. We're leaving all this and we're committed. We want to be your disciple. And the rabbi would say, I don't want you. And then the third time, the person would come and say, seriously, I want to be your disciple. And the rabbi would say, okay. Jesus is acting like a first century rabbi here. He didn't want to make it easy for people to follow. He's like sort of pushing them away. You're not serious enough. No, seriously, I want to be. No, you don't understand the cost. No, seriously, I understand the cost. Maybe we shouldn't be so quick to get you on board until you really understand that while salvation is free, It's not merited. You don't have to do a thing to get it except trust in Jesus. I want you to know there's a cost. He'll challenge you. But the reward, as we find out in a couple of weeks, is a life that is so fruitful that your marriages can't hardly withstand the fruit. Your relationships can't withstand the fruit the branches of the tree are breaking off because the fruit is so full and good because you've allowed the gospel to go deep and to truly change your life 
Jesus is actually saying they jumped on board too quickly. The Word of God needs to move from the head to the heart. The Word of God needs to move from the head to the heart. Look at Luke chapter 9. Look what Jesus says. At the time, as the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven, listen, Jesus result, resolutely, it's a hard word to say. Somebody help me out. Resolutely. I like he just fixed his eyes on Jerusalem. Who threw that translation up there, right? He resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And you may not know what the seriousness of that is. What was waiting for him in Jerusalem? Death. Suffering. A cross. You say, well, why is that important? Because he said this to his disciples right before that. Then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said this. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your way, your own way. Take up your cross. Oh, there's that cross thing. And follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, now listen, and for the sake of the good news, the gospel, if you will pay the price, if you will lay down your life, if you will move beyond just simple emotion and let the word of God go from your head to your heart to where you lay it all out and you say, I'm committed no matter what, I'm following Jesus, whatever the cost and however hard it is, you'll save it. Why is it so important that the gospel move from the head to the heart? Because Jesus says it this way. Otherwise, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted. Why? For believing God's word. So following Jesus on just emotion is like trying to grow a tree in an inch of dirt. It'll sprout up quickly and it'll be like, oh, look at that pretty little plant. And then two days later, it's withered up and gone. Discipleship without the surrender is just a heart that is like rocky ground. It's shallow. Without the dying to self, without the all out for the gospel, without the commitment, without paying the cost, without taking up my cross. And you say, well, what do you mean take up my cross? We're not, we're not, we don't crucify people. What does that mean to take up my cross? Jesus' example of laying his life down for his friends. Him loving his neighbor more than himself. Him loving his God more than himself. Him loving, loving Loving to the point that he's willing to lay something down, his own life. That's his example for us. That's what it means to take up your cross. Is to lay your life down for the other. To allow God's heart and passion for the lost and those far from God to be turned and churned toward others. It's allowing the rock 
below the surface to just be broken up so that the tree, the plant, can go deep. Without dying to self, without taking up my cross, let me tell you, the bed tends to feel a whole lot better in the mornings than the Bible, right? Engaging in social media seems more interesting than praying. Self-justification feels a whole lot better than repentance. Binge-watching Netflix sounds a whole lot better than small groups tonight. Partying with my friends and having fun is more important than the fact that they're lost and without Jesus. Without dying to self, Jesus calls... Jesus' call to love others as I love myself just simply costs too much. Jesus' call to forgive when I've been offended is simply costs too much. Jesus' call to come into the light, it's just going to cost me too much. Jesus' call to give time, talents, and treasures to the, to the kingdom of God here on earth, it's just going to cost me too much. Following Jesus always moves me away from me and toward God and others. And that's the cost. When the Word of God, a seed, is planted in the lives of people, it wants to grow. And I think Jesus is saying there are people, it wants to grow, but there's something below the surface that won't let it. So in a moment, our worship team's going to come. We're going to do a communion table today. And I thought about this. I, I, I meditated and thought about the communion table today in the light of this word. And I thought, you know, there really is no better place to examine your heart than the communion table. I say, well, what do you mean, Tony? What, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm talking about this. What you see here is a representation of the ultimate sacrifice. What you see here is the body and the blood of a man, God, who laid down his life and paid it all. And when you come and you partake of this sacrifice and you remember the sacrifice, it's a time to examine your heart and ask yourself, how committed am I? Am I willing to pay the cost? Am I willing to pay the price? I know God accepts me freely. I know I don't have to earn His love. I don't have to earn His grace. I don't have to earn His salvation. But discipleship will always cost me because it requires that I love God without, above all things and I love my neighbor as myself. It will always call you to that. Am I doing that? And when you look at this sacrifice, you think, wow, Jesus did it and it should inspire us to want to follow him with our whole hearts. Nothing below the surface. So I ask you this morning, search your hearts. Everyone is invited to this table. But search your hearts. Is there anything below the surface that's keeping the seed of the gospel from going deep? If there is, lay it down. Surrender it. Give it up and start really following Jesus and watch the fruit grow in your life.
Our Father, today, we sacrifice, you sacrificed for us, and we look at this sacrifice as an opportunity for us to remember what you've done for us. And we say to you today, Lord, I want to do this. I want to commit my life completely and wholly to the mission of Jesus. I'll follow you anywhere. I'll go anywhere. I'll give anything. I'll lay anything down. Because I know letting go is where the life is. It's where life really begins to be what you intended it to be. So there's people here today, Lord, struggling and wrestling with that word. Go deep in their hearts. Brush away the shallow soil so they can see what's keeping them from going all out with you. As we take your communion today, may it be a blessing to us and a grace given to us and a reminder of what you did for us in Jesus' name. So I'm going to